This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guarantee. So go check them out at leno.com slash ifreaks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 233 of the iFreaks show. Today in our panel, we have Erica Sadun. Hello from Denver. Guy Rambo. Hello from Brazil. This is James Zuber from Minneapolis. And we have a guest today. Please welcome Fernando Boone. Hey, hello from Lisbon. So what are you doing in Lisbon? Yeah, actually living here, uh, I moved from Brazil to here because my uh, wife started doing uh, college here. So we are here for three three years and then we need to figure it out what we're going to do. But yeah, I, I moved here like six, six months ago, something like that. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so yeah, I uh, started... Uh, back then as a C and C++ developer, uh, but then I, the, what bring me, what brought me to mobile was basically, uh, I bought a, a mobile phone, the Motorola V3, the flip one. And, uh, I, I really liked the idea of creating apps for uh, mobile phones. Uh, at, back then it was the J2 ME, uh, something like that. Um, the Java version for mobile. And I, w- I really liked that. It was pretty cool. I was not doing anything professional. It was just as a hobby. But then uh, the iPhone was released. That caught my uh, my eyes in the moment. It was so awesome having a computer in your pocket. And actually, the first time I saw an iPhone was here in Portugal. <laughs> it was not released in uh, Brazil. It was just on a display here. And I said, okay, this is this is the future. This is something that I need to have. And when I got back to Brazil, I bought um, through a website because it was not being sold there. And and yeah, it was I think it was one year without the SDK, the official SDK. Uh, and I just had the device there. It was cool and okay. So websites that that was the 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 way to create apps for iPhone. But then the SDK was released, and the first first moment uh it was live i downloaded and started playing around and so i just found, found out uh, that is a 10 year 10th anniversary of the sdk so basically that's the amount of time i've been playing around with ios uh professionally i would say eight years eight or nine but yeah since the beginning i've been working with um ios and liking a lot since then so we brought you on the show to talk about different storage options on, on the iPhone. We have got core data, but there's been another bunch of options that have come up lately. Um, like, what do you think? Is core data still relevant for what we're doing? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I think that core data has a really bad rep about, uh, all around iOS developers. Uh, I do think it's relevant. It keeps improving a lot, um, but it, people still think that it's not a good option. And I, I think I know why. Uh, back then, it was really, really bad. 
Um, I think it was not a good relationship uh, with the developer, um, especially when I had to deal with uh, multi-threading and stuff like that. You need to handle your uh, your own uh, thread locking and stuff like that. But I think on iOS 7 or 6, I don't remember right now, it started getting a lot better, especially because of how Cordelia started dealing, uh, start, started to, to deal with um, multi-threading. And I think that the, the, the feeling that people had that Cordelia is bad is stuck, and they don't want to give it a chance anymore because if you search for Cordelia on Google, 99% uh, of blog posts and stuff like that will, are going to be yeah, core data is okay, but it's so bad you should just ignore it, try something else. Um, and that's what's stuck, right? If you search for something, see that it's not very good, why am I going to try it? Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not perfect. It's not the best thing ever. There are a lot of problems with it, but I definitely think it's uh, reliable and robust enough to, to be the way to, to um, manage your entire uh, data stack. So it sounds like you're actually somewhat on board with core data still. Like I've always been, I've avoided it and not for any real reason. I've used it a little bit, but I've always found just other approaches, either just going something simple or the, the file store or a Firebase. Um, but like what are some alternatives uh, besides core data? That's Apple's blessed solution. Uh, what are some alternatives we can use to store our data? Well, that I know of, there are a lot of different solutions like Realm, FMDB, um, but honestly, I didn't spend much time on those. Uh, I can't say with much authority that they are much better or much worse. I just know that um, they exist uh, and probably try a little bit, but I have a philosophy of always going uh, with Apple's framework if possible, to try to avoid third party uh any way i can because i have some traumatized experience with some old libraries like 320 uh, like years ago there was this library called 320 that uh it's not supported anymore so that 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 kind of traumatized me so i every time i see that i can do something natively that's the route i i take but uh, i know uh, guillermo uses realm a lot so so 320 that was that was a Facebook thing, right? Yeah, eventually. Eventually, it, it was used for a lot of things. People used it pretty heavily in their apps. And yeah, yeah. Then it just disappeared. It stopped supporting it. Yeah, basically the entire app was based on the 320 framework. Uh, uh, if I remember correctly, the even the UI kit stuff uh, had its 320 counterpart. So that's why, to this day, if I see a, a Facebook framework that everybody's using, I. I Step back and say, nah, not for me, thanks. I'm sure it'll be different this time, React Native. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You talked about Apple Vended being an important part of your decision to try out core data and to give it a chance. But what about other Apple Vended solutions, you know, from things as simple as flat files or property lists? What is the cutoff point? at which you move into core data? Generally related to the, the data graph, right? If I start having too many, too many relationships, uh, the amount of data is too high, is too, uh, it's very, very big to handle with a property list or something like that. Um, that's, that's 
the moment I say, okay, this project is going to need a core data uh, stack because object graph is something that I really hate to deal with manually to create all the relationships by hand. And oh, if I fetch this object, I need to also fetch that other one and the other one. And if the graph is too big, then how I'm going to deal with memory? So there's all these uh, these things that I consider when okay, this is the point I'm going to use core data, but is it's a mixture of, I'm not, I'm, uh, generally I don't use only core data for persistent data. If we talk about the more raw meaning of persistent, because it's always a mix and match with, um, uh, property lists and core data for settings and data. That's, that's my approach. I seem to hear a lot of stories about the core data curve and you start off kind of at zero and you decide to commit to core data or at least try it out and you build some apps and you find out that core data is easy to use it's fairly consistent and so forth and so you decide to make the big commitment and then you start scaling and that's usually when people start getting angry have you built anything really big with core data? And what is your experience in terms of scale? Yes, I have. Um, the, the, the current project that I'm working on right now, uh, it's obviously that it's fairly complex on the data storage uh, side. Um, I don't remember how many entities it has. I can try to take a look right now. But it's at least 40 uh, different entities, 50, with complex relationships between them. So the problem with um, scaling core data, at least from my experience, most things, I, most uh, situations I see are related to uh, migrating the core data uh, database. So if you have version one, version one, you go to version two and so on and so forth. This is one problem that I see happening very often. And another one is when the relationships uh, start to start getting very complex and you need to do things like uh, inner joins and stuff like that. This is another moment that uh, you can take a step back and say, hey, this is, is getting complicated more than it should. But most uh, on the on the first topic related to migration, I can see it being a problem for a lot of people because um, the way the migration works is always from one version to another, from the version that you have on the device, from the version you are updating to. So if you don't do it correctly, you can get on the exponential complexity on every version you add, uh, if it's not a lightweight migration, by the way. Um, so for example, you have version one, you need to migrate to version two, that's one migration. But you have a version three now, then you have version one to three, two to three, and so on and so forth. But you can do a, a migration in a way that is uh, sequential, right? You always start from the list from the, the the previous one and go one by one instead of going directly to the last one. I see this this mistake being made a lot with people that I know that use Cordia. I've I've did this in the past, and this is a moment that people can say, "Hey, uh, my project got bigger, and now the complexity is uh, higher, and Cordia is not being good enough." And from my point of view, um, because it happened with me, this, this is not actually cars data fault. It's more like a planning 
and lack of understanding of the how the the migration process works. And I can say the same same for um, the uh, the other thing that I said about the relationships being too complex and doing a lot of inner joins and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure, there are a lot of situations that I think, hey, if this was just a normal SQL query, I could do it easily, faster. But very likely, there's a way to do if predicates the same thing you want uh, on car data. But wait this, a second. Before you move on from that thought, mm-hmm. why not just do you know normal SQL? Right, because of the issue that I mentioned about the object graph. Uh, maybe that's a personal preference, but when you have a model with a, a complex object graph, I really can't handle doing manual uh, SQLs because carries because you can get it very complicated. You can at the moment you start fetching everything, bringing to memory, depending on how many relationships it has. Um, personally, I don't like to do that. Uh, there, for sure, there are a lot of frameworks like maybe Realm does something like that uh, on an elegant way. But the way Core Data does that with faulting, uh, I I think it's pretty clever and I like how it works. And it basically gets this entire problem of solving your object graph memory performance and everything and takes out of your hand and say, okay, it's, it's Square Data's job to do that now. Um, I've seen this happen in the wild that someone is doing SQLite directly and you expose yourself to all of the low-level limitations of SQLite. And those can even cause issues that are global to the system. Uh, like some things you do, if you don't do them the correctly, you can actually bring down, down springboards. And uh, I've seen that happen. So uh, it, it, it right. and does Core get data more may risky. Use that as a back end, it may be using that as its store, but it's giving you a layer of protection, right? Yeah, it right. handles the implementation details for you. Mm-hmm. And I know you said that you did not want to use, um, and not, you know, a third party system that you you just want to go first party. So that rules out things like FMDB, which has been an incredibly popular um, Objective C wrapper. So the question I wanted to ask you was, which language are you using? Are you using Swift or using Objective-C or using <laughs> something else? <laughs> Objective-C. Yeah. And uh, you probably made some very strong decisions in choosing Objective-C. So could you take a couple of moments and just explain why you're working in Objective-C sure. and why that is important when you're working with core data? Sure. Yeah. So the, the current project I'm working on, uh, it's a three years project in still counting. Uh, so, um, the, I'll, I'll take the same decision, but explaining why I took this route back then was, uh, I don't like to adopt things, um, too early. I think it's a bit the same trauma with the 320 stuff, but I, at the time, three years ago, for sure, Swift was really uh, new. 
And I like it. I created some small projects with it. I, I did some um, tests and I still like it to this day. But my expertise is more on Objective-C because it was what I worked since the beginning. And at the time, there was a lot of things. One of them is the, the productivity I would have with Swift and against Objective-C. Since I'm working with Objective-C for years uh, at the time, it's a, a no-brainer in that, in that front. But other, other things, like there's a lot of unknowns right? And you're working with something that new. So that was another thing that uh, made me not use Swift. And I say that I'll take this, the same decision today. If I start that the same project today, I'll still go with Objective-C because my workflow relies a lot in using LLDB to try it out things. And sometimes I, if it's a simple method, I basically write it on the, the debugger, see if it works, to see if it's okay, and then I, I, I do a transcript to the code. And I was talking about this with uh, Guilherme before. Basically, Swift is, a, in my opinion, is a really nice language, but I don't like to work with it because of the toolbox. Xcode, LLDB, instruments, everything seems to be really, really worse compared when it does the same thing with Objective-C. A big thanks to Microsoft for sponsoring this episode of iFreaks to promote the App Center, a continuous integration, delivery, and feedback suite of cloud services for Swift and Objective-C apps. With App Center, you can automate your iOS and macOS development lifecycle, build, test, distribute, monitor, and push to ship five-star, high-quality apps faster and with confidence. Building a development pipeline in your iOS apps has always been a challenge, but with App Center, you can get started in minutes. Simply connect your GitHub and Bitbucket repos and build in the cloud, test on thousands of real iOS devices, distribute to beta testers and Apple's App Store, and monitor real-world usage with crash and analytics data. As a fully modular suite of services, you can pick and choose the service you need and connect it to the tools you already use. Sign up now on appcenter.ms and spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. So this is why... I'll do, take the same decision today if I will start a really big project for a company or something uh, that I consider to be really like mission critical. For personal projects and hobby, I, I'm using Swift because I think it's cool, but it's, it's really frustrating to do a PO or run expression LDB and need to wait for five, six seconds, and then it just lose connection with the debugger. Um, so yeah, that's that's my explanation on why I, I, I'm keeping with Objective-C. No, that's a really solid take on things. And I think it reflects a lot of what people are doing in industry, where people need code that's going to be the same code in two years and in five years. Especially, you know, when we're talking about sitting here at the 10th anniversary of the iOS SDK, having a solid code base and libraries that you've built up over time. We're talking about major, major investments. And I think it's very rational, insane, the, the way you're discussing this. So yeah. how, <laughs> so I wanted to sort of bring this back again to um, core data since theoretically that's what we're talking about today. So, um, 
Would your opinion change about core data if you were doing Swift? I'm not sure. Uh, I never did any big project. Uh, actually, never did any project at all with Swift and core data, as far as I remember. Um, I was starting one two days ago, but then I had an issue with the debugger and I gave up. Uh, just a just a sample project. I wanted to try something, but then the L, the LLDB stopped. I lost, uh, lost connection, and I okay, that's enough for today. But um, so we've all I, had the LLDB stop. What do you do to fix that? Right. If I for that? yeah, if I knew that, maybe I would use Swifty more. I don't know. Uh, basically, the the things I do is exactly I I I need to restart Xcode and the simulator. If I just restart Xcode, sometimes it doesn't work. If I just restart Simulator, it doesn't work. I need to do it both. So, I mean, I I get frustrated really easily when this happens. Have you tried opening and closing all your windows? Yeah. <laughs> Have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that works. But, uh, yeah, in the, and the same things go goes for instruments, right? Since it relies a lot of, on LLDB and LLVM. Uh, sometimes you are re real deep into a flow that you need to do something to happen and get that crash or get that uh, situation to happen and then see what happened on the stack trace. You manage to do all that, but you see, oh, you, you lost connection two minutes ago because of reasons. So, so yeah, that's, that's why I'm keeping Swift away from my mission-critical mission projects for now. I, I hope that changes really soon. That's my main expectation with every WWDC we have. It's someone, someone say, hey, we focus only on the dev toolkits. Nothing new on the language. That's it. <laughs> the crowd would go wild at WWDC. Yeah, I'm not holding <laughs> my breath. <laughs> and I think Guy has some bets on what's going to happen at this WWDC. My Japan. <laughs> I, I think things are going to be more disruptive and revolutionary this year than let's fix all the things. Yeah, I think that if they just say Xcode is going to work with Swift now, it will be enough for me to be really hyped. <laughs> because right now it just doesn't. And yeah, it's, as I said, it's a really nice language. I like the syntax. I like uh, a lot of things about it, but I don't like to develop with it because of the, tool, the toolkit. Sorry. So yeah, it's basically the same thing, uh, the same idea, the same rationalization that they used to pick core data over something else. I don't know if Realms is going to be, I mean, probably will, but uh, three years ago, I don't know if Realms is going to still be there. I don't know if FMDB is going to be there. Uh, I know the core data will be there, and if, if for some reason Apple decides to kill it, Apple will at least try to help us to, to come up with some other way. Um, I don't think they're going to kill it <laughs> because they, they use it literally everywhere. Um, even uh, core system functionality, both on the Mac and iOS, rely on core data. So uh, it's hard to believe that it's going to even change yeah. significantly for the worse uh, in uh, in the foreseeable future, I don't see that happening. Yeah, and, and I think it's improving a lot. Every WWC, the first things I I watch are core data related talks because I mean it's the foundation of the entire app. It's the the, 
the more, most important part on your app. Um, so it's, it's really cool to see, oh, now we, uh, we have this performance. It's almost like we're all as uh, SQLite. <laughs> so it's <laughs> almost. <laughs> You're not exactly giving it vote confidence, are you? No, I mean, it's, it's for sure it's not going to be the same thing as the raw SQLite, right? You need to give it away a little bit of uh, performance in order to have all the other things done for you. But I'm, I'm 100% okay with that. I'd rather have a little bit of performance, which honestly is not a problem for me at all. Uh, I never had a situation where I say, man, this core data is sure is slow now. I wish I could do something else. Um, just, I mean, I, uh, I, just for the record, uh, I had that happen to me with Realm. Uh, so you, you've been working with core data for a long time and that's never happened. And I had seen that happen with Realm. So. Uh, I think core data is more performant than. Yeah, so that's what type of things cause performance problems with Realm. I'm not sure. Uh, I can't like pinpoint exactly what what you have to do to have those types of issues, but I had to change some of the model to make sure I could write quickly enough it was in the wwdc app i think even erica had the issue the app would sometimes hang and the, the hang was caused by by realm when it was writing all of the like initial data import and i did something similar with core data and didn't have the same issue so maybe that's a limitation I, of realm. i just like the people at realm so i'm, I'm gonna keep out of this yeah, no, I I, I love them. Uh, the the work they do for for the iOS community is awesome, and even for the Android community. But uh, yeah, I had some issues, but I'm still using it. I still love the the system. It's it's still easier than Core Data. Like the APIs are nicer. Um, but I am considering Core Data going forward because of the first party advantage. So along with. Realm, we've also mentioned FMDB, which I think we've talked about Realm on the show before, but we haven't talked a lot about FMDB. Can someone tell us what that is? FMDB is sort of the gold standard of open source. It's um, a wrapper goes back forever. I can't remember when it hasn't existed uh, around um, SQLite. Uh, written in Objective-C, really simple, really beautiful um and i'm going to go ahead and paste the github address for that into um the show notes but it's from gus miller i don't know if i'm saying his last name right because it's german and it could be Mueller or you know muller or mueller or it's something like that i've never actually asked him his last name <laughs> But he is a really well-respected member of the development community, particularly the Cocoa development community. And FMDB just gives you a very simple wrapper that makes everything just work. So by, by just work, do you mean – because I've seen apps trying to do SQLite where you've got your query strings like – built-in code, and it's really pretty bad. So you have all these crazy string files with all your with your queries. Does FMDB help with stuff like that? 
The last time I used it, which is probably close on 10 years ago, <laughs> um, you still had to create your own query strings. Okay. So it it's not like uh, core data, which really essentially gives you a different model to use, uh, a, a user model, I mean. It gives you a different paradigm with core data, whereas FMDB really wraps. FMDB is very stable, uh, so it hasn't changed a lot recently. Uh, but I know that many apps use it, and they use it successfully. There's also another uh, similar thing, uh, that's FC Model, which is by Marco Arment from Overcast. He uses this in Overcast and it has lots of users and it works. Um, but uh, he's the one that had the issue of crashing Springboard with SQLite stuff. So, uh, but that's probably been fixed since uh, when that happened. So that's another option if you're looking for a simpler, like just SQLite wrapper. And it just occurred to me that if you're listening and you don't know what Springboard is, well, that's that's the um, user interface for iOS. That's iOS. That's <laughs> yeah, it has Springboard is the internal name really um, for everything that presents the icons and the folders and all that. It's you spring from there into an application. And if you had a weird, quote-unquote, reboot of your device where you see the little spinner in the center and then you can go back with Touch ID or Face ID, you don't have to enter it again, that's not a reboot. That's what we call a respring, and it happens when Springboard crashes. So when, when you crash that, uh, it's like you're rebooting your device, but it's not really a reboot. Now, the other thing is that we sort of agreed we were talking about local data storage, but local data storage is so 2012. Really, um, one of the things that core data is, does that's relevant to, you know, today to 2018. Oh, wow. This is going to be so dated when people listen next year, but. It gives you access to the cloud. People are much more interested in cloud storage solutions than local storage solutions because local storage solutions really tend to be very lightweight, clean, and really there are very few applications that need the complexity of core data. So could anybody say anything about current cloud technology? things that move your data out from a single device to a complete family of devices wherever you are, whether you're going in through the web or through your, your iPad or through your computer. Are, are there any thoughts on that? Apple tried to fix the sync issue with bringing core data to iCloud. And, they and that's failed. synchronization. Yeah, and they failed miserably. Uh, the car data on iCloud feature was super buggy and it caused issues to many apps. And That's one of the reasons I broke up with core data <laughs> uh, you know, so, in my relationship. So they ended up just killing it. And uh, now you can, of course, combine core data with some sort of cloud solution like CloudKit, which we talked about recently. Um, but 
card data doesn't really do anything, but there are some libraries out there, third-party libraries that automate that stuff. Like they sync your card data store automatically with some other sync service like CloudKit. Yeah, or you can do the old style way, which is the one that I do. Is basically use card data for local storage, but then you handle the sync uh, yourself with normal REST APIs, getting the data uh, and, and whatnot. Instead of having the entire thing on the cloud, like card data in the cloud, you just have card data on your device and sync manually. Uh, it's, it's a good option as well. Um, but I know that you talked about Realm doing something like that, uh, doing this, having this sync in the cloud in a much better way than Cardata would ever do. Yeah, Realm has a really magical solution uh, where you just configure your local star with a sync server, which you can run yourself, or you can use the realm cloud service that they are offering as a beta right now and it's really like it's automatic you don't have to worry about the sync you can just save your stuff locally like you're saving it to any other database and they take care of the sync for you you don't have to serialize and serialize or worry about uh, offline first functionality so so yeah, they have a solution for that, but of course you lose the like first party features, uh, first party advantage of using something like Core Data. You're going to be relying on Realm not only locally, which is all open source, so that's okay, but the server part is not open source, so that's something you have to keep in mind. Uh, and of course, if you decide to go that route, you're going to have to run your own server or you have to, you have to trust Realm with their cloud service, which, uh, we don't even know how much that's going to cost. So that's also, uh, an issue. But yeah, it, it's a really interesting solution and, uh, you should definitely keep that in mind. Yeah, running a little bit low on time, but. Uh, there's also Firebase, which I've I've used. I built a proof of concept app with it, and I really enjoyed working with Firebase. And that doesn't have a lot of the baggage that you do with core data. It's it's pretty simple. It ends up just being a big JSON blob that you store in the cloud somewhere, and you can uh, writes are pretty clean. Like there's actually no callbacks for your writes. It just assumes it it succeeded and it will sync it if you're offline. Uh, I enjoyed working with Firebase, and it has ways for you to automatically know when your data has been updated and subscribe to that and update your screen appropriately. So I thought Firebase a really powerful a toolkit. We should probably do an episode on it because I thought it was pretty cool and we haven't really talked about it. But that the, could be a whole episode. The way you describe the API sounds similar to, to Realm, so that, that's pretty much how it works. Uh, the, which is which is kind of how like Parse used to work, right? Yeah, um, the main issue I have with Firebase is a nitpicky one, which is the fact that they only support CocoaPods as an integration. Mm. So I, I would like to be able to use it with Carthage or another method, but they only <laughs> offer CocoaPods. So if package manager cough cough. Yeah. <laughs> Someday. 
The CocoaPod setup was a little bit tricky with the Firebase, and the documentation was not fantastic. I installed it between releases, so that some of the documentation was on old versions of the releases. That was a little tricky, but hopefully that's better. But overall, Sometimes. once you get it set up, it went okay. Sometimes I feel it's CocoaPods Delenda Est. Just Google that. it. Um, <laughs> it Google. What, what, what's, what's... Just, just look up Carthage Delenda Est. Um, it's a fairly famous statement, and now I have to back it up by who said it and so forth, that I'm going completely blank. We should have a link for that in the show notes. We need the Jeopardy yeah. music right now while we look this up. It's it's a, a Latin oratorical phrase, um, and it basically means, uh, moreover, I consider that Carthage must be destroyed, except instead of Carthage, I'm using Cocoa Pods. Ah. And it goes back to the Third Punic War against Carthage, and <laughs> basically it's attributed to Cato the Elder, and he used it a lot. So we've talked about data locally we talk about cloud data and we talk about you know ancient ancient history so we've covered it all today <laughs> at least know. i have a pick this week i'm doing good all right hey we should get to the picks fernando anything that we should cover that we're missing before we get to the picks um no i think that's that's good that's just think that people should give cardata a chance now that it's actually getting good <laughs> excellent well let's get to the picks Want to automatically build, test, and release your iOS and macOS apps? Try AppCenter. Connect your repo within minutes, build in the cloud, test on thousands of real iOS devices, distribute to beta testers and Apple's App Store, and monitor real-world usage with crash and analytics data. Spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. Visit appcenter.ms and get started for free. Erica, what do you have for us? My pick is Jessica Jones season two on Netflix. Not that I've actually seen it because we're recording this the day before it comes out, but I'm going to assume it's going to be pretty good. And the reason is that Jessica Jones season one was so amazing. And the reason it was amazing is I just felt that show provoked such strong emotion. It is really one of the the first season was one of the scariest shows I have seen on TV with one of the best villains ever. And it is impossible to watch that show and just not have it resonate. It is not something you have on in the background, just as light entertainment. So, you know, trigger warnings to anybody who is upset by really deep issues. But I think if you're up for it, you will be entertained. And it is also thought provoking. Good to know. Uh, Guy, what do you have for us? I have a very cool article that came out. Uh, we mentioned it earlier uh, when when Boone talked about how it's been 10 years since the original iPhone SDK. And Craig Hockenberry released an article talking about his experience being one of the first to develop for the iPhone back then, even before an SDK came out. And it has tons of links and videos and even some GitHub repos of code from that era. And I found it fascinating. So I definitely recommend it. It's going to be in the show notes, of course. Excellent. Fernando, do you have a pick for us? Yeah, sure. Actually, um, preparing a little bit for talking about core data, I started looking for ways of how, how do you get an up-to-date a tutorial or anything to Cardata besides that for documentation, which is kind of good. 
so I found this course in Udacity, uh, iOS Persistent and Core Data. Uh, I looked through, I didn't look everything, just spent like 40 minutes uh, looking at the videos. It has a little, uh, uh, kind of silly start with some sketches about Back to the Future, but if you pass through that, it actually has a, a solid uh, a solid way of sharing knowledge about how Core Data works, how the stack works, how multi-threading works, uh, a little bit about uh, merging conflicts. So I think it's a pretty pretty nice uh, course. It's free on Udacity, so I, I highly recommend taking a look at the at the course. Well, excellent. Uh, drop a link to that in the chat, and we'll get in the show notes so everyone can check it out. Yep. Well, awesome, Fernando. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we sure. learned thanks a lot. Talked about some cool stuff. If people want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Right. I, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm not tweeting as much as I could, but I'm always there. You can find me there on FCBUN, F-C-B-U-N-N. And yeah, I think that's pretty much the, the only place I look on social networks. Well, sounds good. So, right. well, thanks for coming on the show. And for everyone else, we'll see you all next week. Right, thanks for having me. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.